0: There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full-body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. I feel disrespected 100% because I was told one thing and they completed another.
1: This is a lifestyle podcast hosted by platinum recording artist. Have you ever heard of Mike Period? He not used to be it. Mike Stud. Are you aware of Mike Stud? I'm not. Nope. No. And I don't you know. know one. You already know one, Mike Stud. You don't <laughs> need to I know don't need I'm,
2: I'm at my quota on Mike Studs. Right. There isn't right.
1: enough time in your day to know two Mike Studs. You're Mike
2: the dud. My, Let's go to hey, commercial Mike, break. I don't know what that was. Wow! Wow! It's American American pie. pie. American Magic pie. Mike. I mean, man, well you're done. Really, you're known for your body, that's for sure. Well done. Well yes, done. Yes, you I've are. Been, I've been doing some ab work, baby. Man. What, a, what an unbelievable, you just, you're just you just sexiest man alive material. I always knew it. I always knew I was working with a special guy that's like that. But, you know, drew
1: you here five yeah, years right. ago. We're I coming know. up
2: on five years. Yeah, man, is that's that, crazy. Is that something that makes you happy or something that makes you sad? It makes me think like uh, there's a lot of different emotions that go on there. It's like a time warp. That's what I know it's been so far. It's just like unbelievable that it's five years. It's actually been a lot of fun, so it's gone fast. I can't, I can't complain about that now, you know. No, I definitely didn't come here because of your sexiness or the way you looked with your shirt off. That's for sure. Let's just clarify that. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> that's Malcolm in the Middle. You have, I you have more hair Bryan on your Cranston. chest than that, right? Is that
1: Brian Cranston from Malcolm in the Middle? Uh, that must be. He was the only adult male on the show. That was Brian Cranston pre Breaking Bad. Uh, I'm in, I actually am in better shape than that. I will. I will. I will boast. Ah, not
2: that it's a high boast. I'm not I am in better but, shape than that. Uh, you know, you got to throw out. When you throw out comments like that, there's a little definition in no. that body right there. I no, mean, that guy has no, a no. little chest and like... He's, yeah. It's a little flabby on the bottom, but not bad. I mean, uh, you send a picture and you do that dance in front of the mirror tonight, and then we'll compare and we'll see who has a better body. That's never, that's never happening. That's never (laughs) happening. But I can't tell you, I am, I
1: am one of the, one of the benefits of the pandemic, and you would not think this would be the case. And I am probably in the minority. I have lost weight during Two years of
2: not going anywhere. Yeah. How does that happen? I, I I don't know how that happens either. I don't know. I've gotten the the opposite direction here as of late, just because of course life has freed up a little bit, and we do seem to be go to restaurants a little bit more. To where I'm now starting to put weight on because just kind of you know being a little more social than maybe I used to be. I think the restaurant is the key. I think you don't realize
1: how much fat and calories is Definitely. secretly trapped in what you order. Yes. Like one of the reasons it tastes good is everything is cooked in a stick of butter. Right, right. Right? Yes. You, don't, you don't know that. There's no calorie count. And, yes, at some restaurants there is, but come on. do we? I mean, do we, yeah, do we really, really believe enough? them? Exactly. We, yeah, I know. They just pull a number out of the air or somewhere else and put it on the menu. Like who's checking? Who's coming in from the local Health department or whatever agency would have. I guess it would be the health department, and 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 taking the meal and doing a full caloric contents. So well, yeah, challenge flag galore. I think that's. I think that's the easiest explanation as to why. I've lost weight
2: during the pandemic because we would go out to eat two or three times a week. I, I, One I, or two. It's, it's real. I think if you're doing dinner, too, the other thing that happens at a restaurant is you always tend to order dessert. Where, like, at home, I can leave it alone. I can eat my meal and be done for the night and go, dinner, okay, over. I don't know what it is about, the, you know, someone, whether it's a kid or the wife or whoever, is going to bring up, well, do we want to get dessert? at the restaurant for some reason, and then you're going to kind of go, well, oh, okay, let's see what they got. And that's the other issue, you're right, with the restaurants is just almost always followed up by something that does not need to go down my throat and to my stomach, but I shove it down there anyways. Do you feel more compelled to buy at least one dessert to
1: be shared by two or more people at the table if they have to carry that tray over? I think that tray is a psychological tool to get you to feel like you have to get a dessert because somebody went to the trouble of bringing over the tray or the cart with the dessert options on it.
2: That's a hell of a psychological. It does put pressure on people you. at restaurants. You're right. I, don't, I I can't say that I go too many restaurants that do that a whole lot right now, but you're right. I, I won't deny that when that comes up and, you know, whatever your waiter, your waitress, who's gone through the extra you know, effort to bring it all over and explain it all. You do kind of feel bad if you don't order something. I will, I will say that. I concur there.
1: Well, it's all part of the psychology of the restaurant business aimed at getting you to have the highest possible check on the way out the door. We're on the way in the door. I, and you know what? While we're in the topic of desserts and gaining weight, yesterday was one of the three major food coma days of the year for the uh, the, 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 the folks who celebrate Christmas and Easter How'd you do with the Christmas, or not the Christmas, but the Easter candy? I was
2: because all right. I, not too bad. Like, not too bad. Uh, went over to the mom, mom and Dad's house. You know, Dirty Diana made a great meal. All right, so that was awesome. We had a good Easter meal. It is like the little, it's the night before when my wife, you know, even though my kids are older, putting out the Easter basket or a few cookies. That's, I start killing it then. And then yesterday morning, you get up Easter, you know, eat breakfast, breakfast. The kids have, a, you know, the basket, they eat a little more crap. They go along with it. So it's just like the snacking all day. But I cut it off at a good hour last night, Mike. That's the good thing. So I avoided, like, the coma to where I was kind of done eating around, like, five thirty, six o'clock. And that was, that was it for the night. I think back to when I was a kid and we would get the Easter
1: basket. And it would have these big chunks of solid chocolate that you had to gnaw on like a squirrel. Yeah. And and it would be melting while you're trying to eat it, and and you convinced yourself it was good just because it was Easter and you got all this candy. And uh, those are some long days. Those were those were some th- those were some days where way way too restaurants would say that's a lot of calories and fat that you're taking in there. You better you better slow down there, kid. Um, so I just don't I don't enjoy it like I used to. I, I just don't. I it doesn't taste as good as what I know it does to me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I got Especially you. Especially as you're as you're getting to yeah. a point where you worry about your heart health and and, and it's like, is it really that good is it really worth it? Am I gonna feel better afterward if I eat this? No. Am I gonna enjoy it so much during that it's gonna be worth how I feel afterward when I feel like a slug that I ate this big clot of chocolate. No. So anyway, that's my story. Oh by the way, we made a turkey for the first time. Wow. Like the whole the whole bird. Easter we turkey We cooked the whole bird okay for the whole time. And let me tell you something. If more people actually took the the raw, dead turkey, and my brother-in-law handled the, 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 the most nasty of the stuff. It came to us with, like, all the stuff out of the inside. But we took it from there and cooked it. That whole process, there would be a lot more vegetarians in the world if people had to do that on a regular basis. It's one thing to sit down with a plate... Of like nicely sliced turkey breast, and you know it's there, and you it's say, "Oh, this is pretty good." To actually like handle
2: yeah, what was the, neck the turkey and the gizzard and all that all kind that
1: of stuff, stuff yeah. and it really right. sends home to you this you, this was once a living, breathing creature. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of people would opt for you know salads and soy and. Things that weren't alive. That's just that's my that's just my observation. I'm not saying anyone should. Yeah. I still ate I still ate the turkey. Hell, yeah. I went through the trouble of cooking that damn thing. I was eating it. But I just think if more people actually handled the, you know,
2: the thing. Yeah. It would it would be it would be there would be more people would say, I'm not sure we should be doing this. I don't disagree with you there. I think there's probably a lot of foods or at least meat products where people saw the pro you know, the process that went about to to make that hamburger or whatever else they might go oh, I'm not sure about that I, I know I'm one that needs meat I cannot be a vegetarian so there's got I got to have some of it and I even though like we have chickens around the house and all that I don't know I have a abil- ability to block it in my brain and go what all right let's have chicken later I don't care my wife and my daughter they had a little issue with it for a little while where they could not compartmentalize that aspect you're talking about. Uh, I don't know it's, to me I, yeah I, I was able to do it <laughs> I well I look uh,
1: it and I'm sure plenty of people don't even don't even have that thought but I just think if if everyone did it you know like like if I get lobster somewhere back in the days when I went to the restaurant like I'd never want to see. The thing, like I, I just, just give me the meat. I don't need to see the yeah, carcass. I don't right. need to know that this was a thing. Not that I have a whole lot of sympathy for that giant, oversized space alien creature that crawls in the bottom of the ocean that we somehow think tastes good, although it does. That's the irony of it. But uh, anyway, uh, th- 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 we've. I think we've covered everything we possibly can. Good Easter though. Good first Easter. ten minutes of everyone's Monday. We hope everyone had a happy Easter or Passover, whatever, whatever holiday you may have celebrated. This weekend, and we're going to get up to speed on everything that's happening in the NFL. And how about this one that kind of dropped out of the sky on Saturday night? Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer following up on something that Ian Rappaport of NFL Media said on Friday. What Cabot reports is that the Carolina Panthers have the inside track to land Baker Mayfield. And Well, no, she didn't report that part. That was Rappaport. She said that – Cabot said that they're they're uh, they're definitely interested in Baker Mayfield. And I've heard the same thing. Once I started poking around, because I thought, is this a smokescreen just to get people to not think they're taking a quarterback in round one? Because I think maybe they'd like to trade down and take a quarterback if they could. Sure. Like, is this real or is this phony? Because Cabot said it's something that could happen in the next couple of weeks. Well, what also happens in the next couple of weeks is the draft. So the timing becomes very important as to when this would happen with Mayfield. Does it happen before the draft, during the draft, after the draft? But they're apparently interested, and Joe Person of The Athletic, who's covered the Panthers for years, added on the final piece of it. Baker Mayfield is just one of several options the Panthers are considering. Well, he didn't name any of their options, and I don't know. It's not like there's a ton of options. That's part of the problem right now. The teams that need quarterbacks, yeah, yeah, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you're down to Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world. Like the the veteran free agents who are out there whose names haven't even been mentioned after you get past Mayfield and Garoppolo. So what do you make of – because we've previously said there's no way the Panthers are going to want to kiss another frog. That From Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold to Cam Newton to Baker Mayfield, they want a franchise quarterback. What do you make of this notion that the Panthers are interested in Mayfield?
2: It's interesting. It's gutsy. I mean, it shows to something that we've talked about a lot. You brought it up a lot. David Tepper's just continue, you know, aggressive nature and taking cuts for quarterbacks and not going to really think twice about it. Not going to worry about, oh, okay, so what? I got to pay this guy $18 million a year you know or $18 million for the year if he does come along. It just doesn't seem to bother them. I, I understand it to a degree. It's risky. It's not so risky for David Tepper, but it's risky for his head coach and the people that are going to have to deal with it because they're the one that's going to get slapped with the perception of, why did they take a chance with Baker Mayfield again? Even though if it is David Tepper and company kind of pushing the conversation to get a Baker Mayfield behind the scenes. So that's going to look bad on Matt Rule and they're going to go, well, he can't get this quarterback thing right. It's Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, it's Baker Mayfield. Well, I mean, why? He tries all these guys. There's a reason it didn't work. You know, so from that, you know, the, the optics, the, the politics of the sport, that's going to be tough on, on Matt Rule. But what I, what I will say, Mike, that I think that jumps out to me more than anything. I mean, Baker Mayfield, as we've discussed, he's got talent. He does. Would I take him over Sam Darnold? I would. I, I definitely would. I think Baker Mayfield's, you know, been a little bit more consistent. I know he hasn't had – he's had a little bit better supporting cast. But I do think his arm is better. And there's a little bit more of a moxie or fire or leadership aspect that Baker Mayfield does bring. So I think if you go, you know – compare them that way i i I, I understand it and then the last thing mike too is i don't think they want to take a quarterback at six i don't think anybody's looking to take a quarterback at six right now and if you can't trade down they're looking at it going okay well we don't want to do that we'd like to get a player that fits our roster and if you already have a baker mayfield then maybe you're not looking for that quarterback and have to worry about that issue there I look at it from both sides. Yeah. Why would the Panthers want Mayfield? And,
1: you know, look, they want Mayfield if they want Mayfield, and they apparently do, or at least they're interested. They want him because he would be better than what they currently have, and he may be better than what else they could find. And this could just be consciously and deliberately. A one-year fix. Now, if it's a one-year fix and you're getting it with one year left on his rookie contract, the option year at 18.8 million, there would be an expectation the Browns pay some of that money. The Panthers already paying the 18.8 million to Sam Darnold, the third pick in 2018. Mayfield, the first pick that year. I don't know what they would do with Darnold. Do they keep them both and let him compete? May the best man win, and we'll I get think through so. the season with these two guys. Hey, you know, if other teams are putting 40 and 45 million in their starting quarterback. Right. What's wrong with thirty seven point six million if that is the sum of eighteen point eight and eighteen point eight and I tend to think it is and I'm not gonna overthink it. Thirty seven point six. That's not all that unreasonable. Yeah. The only thing is it's the cap well and, and, and it's and if the Browns are paying part of it, that makes it even more palatable. And how much the Browns would pay remains to be seen. But remember, if they ultimately have to cut him, they're paying seventeen point seven because the new team would pay him the minimum, most likely, of $1.035 million. So the Browns would have an incentive to pay some of it to make a trade happen. So I can understand why the Panthers would want to do it if they could get him for less than $18. Uh, that 100%, yes. From Mayfield's perspective. Right. Why would he want Carolina? And I was kicking this around with someone yesterday because I continue to believe that Mayfield has a significant degree of power here. The problem is at a time when he's not all that well perceived around the league, and we'll get to some of the reaction from at least one player in Carolina in a minute, he's kind of got to go along. That's the thinking, that he can't stomp his feet. He can't make demands. He can't say... I don't want to play for you, or right. I'm not sure. Show- well, what's he? Because let's play it out. He can't sit out for a couple of reasons. First of all, he doesn't get his 18.8 million, and, and it's guaranteed, yes. But if you don't show up, you don't get it. Secondly, um, he needs to get somewhere where he can have a big year. He needs to rebuild his reputation yeah. as a player and as a guy in the locker room. Yeah. And if you if you go in the door. At your next team, already being the same pain in the ass you were in Cleveland, if not worse, that's not going to help you if your objective is 2023, major contract, open market. Like, that's when the Steelers sign him and pay him instead of hoping he finagles a path to Pittsburgh now if he would even be entertaining that. You're trying to set yourself for next year where you get a big contract on the way in the door with a new team. And and to do that, he's kind of got to play along because, frankly, I wouldn't want to go to Carolina. Not with Matt Rule on the hot seat. Ben McAdoo is the best option he could find an offensive coordinator because offensive coordinators with options aren't taking that job when Matt Rule's on the hot seat. But but if you're if you're Mayfield, you just got to at some point go make chicken salad and hope it works out.
2: But yeah, he doesn't have the he d- doesn't have the ability or the the cushion anymore to just say, oh, the hell with it. I'm the number one pick. I'm going to do whatever I want. No, he's uh, you said it right. Forget the reputation on the field. He's got to build his reputation, you know, back as a player in the locker room and that guy too. You know, whether it's real or not, people question about is he a handful in Cleveland? Was he a jerk? Was it hard for the coaches to handle? You know, you wrote articles this weekend. We talked about it last week. A lot of people talk about it because it's odd. Everybody in the NFL thinks it's weird that nobody in Cleveland has stuck up for Baker Mayfield ever since crap hit the fan midway through the year with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, nobody really has more people in the Browns said nice things about Odell Beckham Jr., than Baker Mayfield. So to your point, he can't do that. You're right. That's a big roll of the dice to act like I'm not going to go here and I'm going to go to this place. It's just going to turn that many more people off to him for, you know, that opportunity like you're talking about in 2023. And then when you get down to the teams, Lions, Panthers, Seahawks, I mean, none of them are going to be perfect. Yeah, the Panthers have issues. You're right. But, like, the Panthers do have talent like we've talked about. You know, with, So there is something there to that aspect of it to where you go, all right, well, you can go there and probably have some talent and make some plays. and You can talk you know, yourself into it. I know, you if could. You, if, you if, could. That's your, if that's yeah. your destination, if that's where it's moving, you can talk yourself into it if you're Baker Mayfield. Definitely, over the Lions or the, or even the Seahawks, right? The Seahawks, you're going to look at it and go, well, I mean, they had Russell Wilson. Look at what Shane Waldron and them did. That was boring and as average as anything. So it's not like he's going to look at that and go, oh, wow, well, I can't turn that Seattle offense down. You know, Detroit, of course, is a work in progress as well.
1: I got Christian McCaffrey. I got DJ Moore. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm going to a division where the Falcons aren't very good right now. The Saints, who knows what they're going to be without Sean Payton. Yeah. Yeah, the Buccaneers are still the Buccaneers, but it's better than jumping into the NFC West with the 49ers, the Rams, and the Cardinals. So you could talk yourself into you it. You could, yeah. If, if, that's, if that's the team that's – because here's the other side of it too. We heard Baker Mayfield last week with Mike Studd now known as Mike, period. We heard Baker Mayfield say Seattle's the most likely option. What have we heard to suggest that Seattle is even remotely interested? Now, maybe that the Panthers are emerging as a real player could make Seattle move, because I think Seattle's like, we don't have to do anything. We're just going to sit and wait here. We don't, we don't have to let anyone know we're interested in this guy because no one else is. If the Panthers really are, and it seems like they really are, now the Seahawks have to have to make a move or not. They may just not want him. They may not want to deal with the guy. You know, hey, they, think of it this way. Think of it this way. They just got finished trading a franchise quarterback who yeah. became in kind of a, a passive-aggressive way a pain in their butt to the point where they threw their hands in the air and traded him. Do they want Baker Mayfield at a time when you know he's he could potentially be a pain in their butt, men maybe not maybe not passively aggressively, maybe a little more aggressively if he's not getting what he wants if the offense isn't working because it's like hey i gotta I gotta rebuild my career here, come on, I don't wanna run the ball, run the ball and play defense and and yeah, I think right now when you look at where the franchise is, where the players are where the supporting cast is, I don't know, you could talk yourself into the Panthers just the same way you could talk yourself into the Seahawks. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but when you consider the Panthers are in the NFC South, I, I think you can make you can make just as strong of a case if you're Baker Mayfield to go to Carolina. I agree. I as agree. Your, as you're... As you're as you're doing the dance in the mirror and trying to talk yourself into your best option, I I think so the yeah. Bryan, the Brian Cranston dance in the mirror and trying to do your best option, and that's about Baker's build too. So that would work. He yeah. would he would be doing that dance, convincing himself he's going to look good in Carolina
2: blue. No matter what we think of Matt Rule, and and again I'm I'm maybe not as negative as the rest of the world is on that and the, on them down in there in Carolina. I, I mean yeah, I think you kind of said it there. I mean Carolina to me is going in an upward trajectory. And Seattle right now is plateauing or going down and we're going, I don't know what the hell they're going doing. They're kind of in the middle of a, you know, it seemed like they were going to rebuild and then they put the brakes on. They were like, wait, what's well, not totally rebuild here. You know, which I will still question, you know, because I've heard rumors of, you know, there's people in Seattle that want to rebuild, but guess what? Pete's like, Oh wait, I'm old. I don't want to wait for all that. I don't want to totally tear it down. I heard that's already, you know, there's there's talk up there about that. So you know, yeah,
1: out, out with the out with the old, in with the new doesn't go over well with a seventy
2: year old. Exactly. Pitch. So, but but yeah. so but to your point too. Yeah, the Panthers again. You look at the defense. You go, well, who's got more talent on defense? Well, it's not even close. Carolina's got young studs everywhere. I mean, big time, Pro Bowl, you know, on the cusp of being all pro players. There's no – it wasn't like a a mistake that they were the number two defense in football last year. So there are plenty of things to look at, but I think the big thing is is what you started it off with, the coach – You know his butt's on the hot seat for real, and that's that's not always easy as a quarterback to go. Oh, I want to go to that place where it could be totally different next year, no matter how good I do, and I still might not be wanted there. And that's that's where you got to figure out if it's right for you or not. If you're Baker Mayfield, but in the process of talking
1: yourself into Carolina, you could say, "Hey." Matt Rule needs me, I need him, we need each other, we both have to prove it. I mean, it's all about how you talk yourself into it. Glass half full versus glass half empty. And you could make a strong case against Carolina, you could make a strong case in favor of Carolina. But the bottom line is, if Carolina is stepping up to the plate at a time when no one seems to be interested in Baker Mayfield. I mean, somebody told me weeks ago that Baker Mayfield needs to be humbled by this process. And there's nothing more humbling than saying I want to go to the Colts and they instead trade for the 56-year-old quarterback <laughs> and, then saying, and then saying Seattle's the most likely option and the phone never rings from the Seattle area code. That, that will humble you quickly. And when you feel like the places you want to go are turning up their nose and slamming the door, all of a sudden those other places look a lot better. Nobody else wants me. Here's one that wants me. I really don't want to play there, but you know, I'm thinking about 2023. I'm on the Baker Mayfield redemption tour. I'm going to do everything I can to convince everyone that the real me was 2018 and 2020. The aberration was 2019 and 2021. I'm going to have a big year. I'm going to get paid. We've seen it happen time and again, one guy will take a big season and turn it into a big contract. That's what I'm going to do. And, and, That's all great. There's one important caveat, though. I alluded to this briefly earlier. And this is what hit on Friday after the word first started to circulate that the Panthers were interested in Baker Mayfield. Robbie Anderson, Panthers receiver, taking to social media, saying no with a lot of O's as to the possibility of Baker Mayfield going to the Panthers. And then when it was reposted with the headline, Robbie Anderson does not want Baker Mayfield to come to Carolina – the response from Robbie Anderson was facts. So, so look, that's not good. And and and, and I I've, I've seen people say, "Well, but he's just really loyal to Sam Darnold." No, I have a feeling the word's getting around a about Baker that words get it
2: seems yeah. a little deeper than that. Yeah, it's a little deeper
1: than loyalty. Cause, yeah, I I think I think he's hearing some things. And it's funny because the photo that we found when we posted it Friday night is Robbie Anderson and Jarvis Landry before a game talking, and Landry's kind of got his mouth covered. And it's like, yeah, people talk, especially guys who play receiver. They work out together. They know each other. Somebody pointed out, and I, I should have looked this up. I think Rashard Higgins is currently on the Panthers. Is he currently on I the Panthers? I think he is. We I believe he is. That. Right. And he was in Cleveland. So yeah, yeah. word will get around about if, if, if there's if there's not a great feeling about Baker Mayfield, the guy, it's going to get around. And it was enough for Robbie Anderson to come out and say what he said. So at a bare minimum, if the Panthers are going to do this, they, they better they better have a sit-down between Robbie Anderson and Baker Mayfield and clear the air and figure this out because that's not going to be the
2: best way to get everyone on the same page. Definitely not. I mean, yeah, yeah, That's not how you want to start out a, a new relationship there. It was like, oh yeah, our number two receiver who's pretty talented and a big-time player does not want you on the roster and doesn't want you here and is a fan of the guy that – you know, you're competing with. There's going to be the backup. Yeah, you got to clear the air to a degree. But I think it just speaks to that big question that we we have about Baker Mayfield a little bit. You know, what what exactly is he? How is he exactly viewed through players? There's a lot of rumors out there, and I think you know mo- most of them tend to lean towards kind of what we've been talking about. You know, just yeah, not a bad guy, but not the easiest. You know, not that the guys in the locker room hate him, but. I don't think they love him either, you know, and they view we've heard enough to know that some of them view him as a pain in the butt, too. So uh, this is going to be part of the rehabilitation process of Baker Mayfield's career and image and everything like that. And yeah, what he does on the field and off the field is going to go a long way here.
1: And you know what? Somebody made another point, too, about Mayfield. If he really wanted to engineer his destination to one specific place, one thing he could do is what Odo Beckham Jr. did last year when he wanted to be released by the Browns. Remember what he did? He gave up money. Right. If, if, Mayfield, if Mayfield wanted out, he could say to the Browns, okay, instead of 18-8, let's, let's come to an agreement that I'll take half of that and you cut me, or whatever amount and you cut me and I'll go somewhere else. If he if – he, If he wanted badly enough to pick his next destination, that's, that's, and, and Beckham helped set that precedent, at least from the standpoint of the Browns expecting that. So, you know, and the Browns hold all the cards here because if they really wanted to, they could just keep him and yes, it could get ugly and it could get awkward, but that gets back to the point we were making earlier. Baker Mayfield can't afford to be perceived as a jerk. As he's getting closer and closer to the open market, he needs to have a strong year. You know, we've said, what would he do if the Browns said, we're just keeping you until we get the trade offer we want? Would he be a pain in the butt? Would he do a press conference every day? Would he say, you know, please release me? Why are you doing this? Or would he just find a way to go along? He's got to be hearing from people close to him. You just have to go along with anything and everything this year. You can't afford to be perceived as a a pain in the butt. Because no one's going to want you next year if you are. Yeah, he's got
2: it's delicate, right? but but I, I I can't imagine the Browns wanting that. I, I mean, again, the Browns they got enough issues to deal with. But now we're going to deal with. Hey, here's Deshaun Watson press conference. Here's Baker Mayfield press conference. Hey, hey, back and forth. And I mean, it just I can't imagine them wanting to be a part of that. Um, so th- that's where I do think Baker has a little power in the situation. And as we know too, I mean, the quarterback could just simply say, I don't want to play for that team. And that can ruin that trade, you know, right away. So there there's there is a little power in Baker Mayfield's, you know, corner to a degree. The other thing too, Mike, when you bring up the money and like maybe cutting a deal, Odell Beckham Jr. style, I feel like it would be harder, right, if you're Baker Mayfield because, you know, again, I know this is the number one pick, but Odell had seen a few years of big money already. This is this is the biggest payday Baker Mayfield's got yet. This is a life-changing chunk of money, you know, as compared to, yes, okay, we've made good money the last few years, but now you're making, yeah, close to $20 million in a year. You know, you don't know if you're ever definitely going to see a payday that way again. Are you really going to chop, you know, a big chunk of that away to go, ooh, I hope it works somewhere else? I don't know. I probably wouldn't do that if I was Baker Mayfield. He got thirty-two point seven
1: million for his first four years combined with the signing bonus as part of that thirty-two point seven of twenty-one eight. So he did get the big payday on the way in, but that covered all four years. He hasn't gotten eighteen point eight million for one year. He got thirty-two point seven total for four, so that's an average of eight point one, eight point two. Right. You're talking ten million plus more than that this year than he's made in a year of his career, and that's a reality of the rookie wage scale. It used to be you would get a lot more and I we're still not even getting where I think we're kind of approaching the point where the the Sam Bradford and Matthew Stafford deals dollars for dollars are about the same as they were when you look at it on an annual average but but the rookie wage scale in 2011 really held back what these guys make so 18.8 is a lot of money even though even though as the quarterback market goes it's less than half of the the general $40 million number that guys are looking at now, like Derek Carr last week, his average technically new money, $40.5 million. So it's still not huge money as quarterbacks go. And and again, there's I'm not saying he should take less money. The point is the precedent was set. Yeah. And if he does want out, that's, that's a chip that he would have. I'll take less money. Yeah, sure. I'm more concerned about going to where I want to go. And look, look, there's an argument to be made. That that would be money well invested in your future. Yeah, I hear if, you. If there, if they, you know, if if you, not that the Browns would trade him to Pittsburgh, even if Baker Mayfield would slash his salary to two million dollars, I don't think they would, because I don't think they want him there. But if there's a place where you know you could go and you could be the starter, and you believe you would cement your your contract at a very high number for 2023 and you have faith it'll happen some of that money you give up now uh could go a long way toward laying that foundation but, but would that you would be do tough that to with do. these tough
2: teams so yeah that'd be tough to yeah, do i'd and have a hard three time teams, doing it it's a big roll of dice because there's so I, many other x factors that that, that determine how you play that it's not fair but yeah ultimately yeah. will determine how it looks right so
1: it's, I'd say, for all I know, this is my last big payday in the NFL. Exactly. I'm not giving up a penny. Exactly,
2: on it. you're you're make, you're you're almost you know doubling your worth, right? You know, of your four years. I mean, I know it's not exactly doubling, but you know what I mean. It's close to it. So where it's 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 one where you can go, wait, it's not like the guy that's made 120 million, and you go, well, he would have had 130. There's a difference here. This is a different game to me, Mike. Other aspect I think is really interesting about this story, and we hit on it just a little bit, is. Nobody wants to take a quarterback in the top 10. Nobody wants to take these guys. And it's rare that we're here. 2022, quarterback, 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 quarterback. And I don't think anybody wants to take any of these guys in the top 10. You know my thoughts? I think Corral's really the only top 10 talent, in my opinion, from Ole Miss, but I think everybody's getting cold feet on these guys. I think everybody sees Corral's talent. They realize, okay, he's got a thing or two to clean up. Malik Willis, they see his talent. They go, ooh, you know, but he's raw, but ooh, man, he could be something two years down the road. And I think people look at Kenny Pickett and go, he's kind of something now, but he's never going to say, make us say, wow. He's never, he's never going to be a top five. I don't think ever really going to be a top ten quarterback that way. So that's where it gets interesting. And this is my rankings, right, Mike? And I don't know. If I had to re-rank them, I would tell you right now that I would make Corral one and Malik Willis two. And I would put Kenny Pickett at three if I could re-rank them, which I can and I will. I'll figure that out after this. But uh, it's just an interesting What made you nugget. change your mind? I, I feel like, you know what, I was putting I, too much into, well, maybe Pickett's better right now and ready to go. And and to me, that's not how you evaluate a quarterback, necessarily. You look at it to go, wait, who's going to be the best two, three years from now? That's what you're drafting the quarterback for. Not uh, who's going to be the best the second they walk in the door. There's a lot of, you know, extenuating or outside factors that play into that that aren't fair maybe to the rest of the group there. So that's why I look at it that way. And I, yeah, that's why I'm going to change it for sure.
1: I think it was jarring to some folks to hear you say last week the idea that if the Panthers would take Kenny Pickett on day one when they show up and they start throwing, there's going to be a noticeable difference between Sam Darnold and Kenny Pickett. And who really wants to put themselves in that spot? That's right. Where they're justifying internally right out of the gates that that they made a smart move with a guy who who doesn't throw it around the same way Sam Darnold does. It's That's, just yeah. – that's tough. That's right. tough.
2: We talk about that a lot, right? We've talked about I mean that, that's that is tough. And it, it just again, you know, football players, athletes, the Robbie Andersons in the world, they're going to go, Darnold's throwing him in here faster and harder than Pickett. We drafted him at 6. Why? What do we Wait, but Darnold, Darnold's release is quicker. He gets the screen pass. I Wait, so what So we're just going to have to wait for the Well, let's see if this guy can play moment. Can he play? Can he play? Can he play? And until then, you're going to have everybody on the team going yeah, this guy, Pickett, we like him, but, I mean, we're not like, wow, ooh, ooh, ah, 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 and that, that to me, is risky, and we've talked about that. That can make things very interesting in a locker room.
1: The the Pickett dynamic also has emerged in Detroit. Yeah. Where... I'm not going to make any snarky comments about hand size comparisons between Pickett and and Jared Goff. I'll leave that to others. <laughs> I'm just not in the mood for that today. But uh, it's a but, handoff. <laughs> but but Kenny Pickett reportedly going to visit the Lions this week. And look that I, I, the moment that Dan Campbell says we think we can win without an elite quarterback, that is not the kind of glowing endorsement that you'd be looking for if you're Jared Goff. They knew what they were doing with Goff. And look, folks, I, I know that every team at some level the organization will tell you every year their goal is to win the Super Bowl. Even the Lions who have never even been to a Super Bowl, who haven't won a playoff game in more than 30 years, they will tell you some of that organization will say what hey, what's your goal? Our goal is to win the Super- no, it's not. And last year they're just trying to begin their way out of their latest reboot, and they had an opportunity fall into their laps where they could pick up two first-round picks and a third-round pick for a quarterback who wanted out, and as part of that, they had to take on a quarterback that the Rams desperately wanted to shed. They wanted to get rid of that contract, and you know, Martin Mayhew, the Washington GM, complained several weeks back, that it was kind of an inside job and no one else had a chance. Well, you had Brad Holmes, who went straight from the Rams to the Lions, took over as the GM. Holmes knew what he was doing. Campbell knew what he was doing. They understood what they were doing. They were taking someone else's trash on as their starting quarterback, and they were just going to hold their nose and get through it for a year or two. That's what they're doing with Jared Goff. They know Jared Goff is not a franchise quarterback. They understand that they are just trying to hold it together And get through a couple of seasons while they build the culture that they believe will be their long-term future. And they picked up a free first-round pick for taking on this guy. That's it. That's it. And bringing in in Kenny Pickett is the closest thing to an acknowledgement of that that we're going to get from the Lions. But, you know, Chris, it, it intrigued me because I've been trying to speak the Baker Mayfield to the Lions into existence. Yeah.
2: The moment they start taking a look at these rookie quarterbacks, why aren't you taking a look at Baker Mayfield? I hear you. I hear. Why you. Why aren't you? I know. I know. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's crazy either, Mike. I mean, when you first said it, like you know, three weeks ago, I kind of went, eh, I don't think so." And then I feel like within 24 hours, the more I thought about it, I went, I think it actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, uh, it's it'll be interesting. I think even with this, the Lions. I mean, you're right. You knew they knew exactly what they were doing here with Jared Goff. They knew it. They they were just into acquiring the assets of the the trade. And and getting the picks, and then you know with the Kenny Pickett here visiting too, that's where you know it speaks to what we were talking about. The the Lions aren't bringing him in town to pick him at number one. Everybody, this is this is what this is the the, the tea leaves are showing. The quarterbacks are falling. Kenny Pickett's falling. This is for pick thirty two. Why he's being brought in there to talk to them right now? Uh, that that's what this is for. So that's where this is crazy. I just feel like the NFL draft right now is, yeah, the Baker Mayfield aspect. We got Jimmy Garoppolo out there. We got a few teams that need quarterbacks. And then we got rookie, young, draft, draftable quarterbacks that I think the NFL's not sure about or doesn't want to invest at least a high pick on. And uh, it, it's the first time in a while, Mike, that I can say I have no feel for who's kind of hot on the quarterbacks, or where they might go, it's the least feel I've had I've had a pretty good feel almost every year, at least with a handful of these guys that go, oh, I think they like this guy that guy that team likes this team i I'm in more in the dark this year than ever before as far as who with who there's
1: another reason for the Lions to do their due diligence on Kenny Pickett yeah. holding that thirty second pick in the draft right if Pickett is sliding in that direction and someone starts. Contacting the lines about trading into that spot, the more they know about Pickett, the more intelligently they can negotiate with that team. I've made that point before. You as have, right? Guys at the top of the draft, and when I when I saw Pickett going to the lines, like surely they are not doing their homework in the event that someone wants to trade up to number two for Kenny Pickett. No, right? This is thirty-two on the clock. The first night of the draft is coming to a conclusion somebody wants to springboard back into the round and at least the lions can say hey you know we brought this guy in here and uh we know this we know that we think this we think that we think you need to offer us a little bit more if you want to be the team that comes up and gets this guy so they at least can say
2: it and it's not it's not just bs sure they can back it up we brought him in right Uh, right bring him in and and, and who knows maybe if Maybe he has a grade on their board to where if he is sitting there at 32, he was the 17th graded player on their board where they go, so we got to take him now. It's, it's it's too good to be true. Or maybe, you know, even, even, even if he's on the board at 27, maybe they're the team that wants to trade up a few spots to make sure they get him. I think there's a lot of things there, but uh, what is weird is the quarterback conversation for the 2022 draft is different than years past, and it's – it's two, maybe three in the first round, certainly. And I don't think any are going to go in the top ten. I don't, Mike. Because here's the other thing. As I get a feel for the draft, Mike, we might not have, like, the superstar Devion Clowney Miles Garrett in the class this year. But the one thing that's very apparent to me as I go through each position group is there's two or three guys at each position group that clearly stand above the rest, and it does fall off after that. And that to me is where I think also is going to hurt the quarterbacks because I think some of these teams in the top 10, 15 are going to look at it and go, wait, there's only one or two of these guys to be had here that can fill our desperate need on our football team. Do we really want to go to the quarterback we're not sold on or are we going to get this guy that we are sold on and he can help our team for a long time? And I think that's going to play a factor in this, Mike, if that makes any sense. And the way the Lions contract – with Jared Goff
1: is structured. They can dump him after this year. They were kind of stuck with him through this year. They inherited a, an eight figure roster bonus that was already fully guaranteed for this year. They took him on knowing that he was going to be on the team for two years. That doesn't mean he's going to be the starting quarterback all year this year, but it would make sense for them to be exploring other options. And, and yeah, they could get into a little bit of a cap crunch if they end up paying a lot for Baker Mayfield. But, but again, I, I, They've, they've got to be thinking about life without Jared Goff. Kenny Pickett could be the answer, or it could be laying the foundation for a trade at the bottom of round one. But regardless, that got my attention, especially yeah. because I am trying to will Baker Mayfield to Detroit into existence for a reunion with his good buddy boy who made him the first overall right. pick four years ago, and it just fits. And it's funny. It i got Lions fans pushing back on it like, don't, you don't have a Super Bowl team up there, folks, and I would take Baker Mayfield over Jared
2: Goff right now. Definitely, am I missing something? No, you're not missing something. One hundred percent, definitely would take that. So, so, but you're, I just want to make sure. So, you're pushing that harder now than Baker Mayfield to Pittsburgh. You're you're more onto the the line. Either one. Yeah, either I'll take one, either, either one. one you, you like either think, story? <laughs> I don't think Pittsburgh's happening. Yeah, I don't right. think Pittsburgh's happening right. because I
1: don't think Baker Mayfield is going to push back hard enough to engineer his release or wait to be released if the Browns would push it all the way until August, right? Or even, I mean, the ultimate chaos would be the Browns keep him on the team up until the trade deadline. But he needs to go somewhere where he can play, and the sooner he gets there, the better. So Pittsburgh would be fascinating. I don't see the dominoes falling that way. There's still a way for the Lions to wake up and say, well, if the Panthers are after him, if the Seahawks might, maybe we should Maybe we should go do this, especially if John Dorsey is chomping on his gum in the ear of Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, extolling the virtues of Baker Mayfield and trying to get them to come around. I I just think Mayfield fits the mentality. That's a place where you welcome that mentality and you assume that Dan Campbell can control it because if push came to shove, Dan Campbell would would uh, shove Baker Mayfield into the wall. And there's nothing he could do about it. Not that we condone that, but I'm just saying to the extent that you got a couple of alphas in the room. When Dan Campbell stands up and hovers over Baker
2: Mayfield, I think Baker Mayfield pipes down pretty quickly. I would, I would agree with that. I think a lot of people are going to pipe down pretty quickly when Dan Campbell stands up. Unless you're like an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, you're going to have your work cut out for you against Dan Campbell. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. When we
1: return, we have a special belated Easter present for you. And Chris, I know, is very much looking forward to this. USFL highlights the <laughs> yes. debut slash return of the league that we first saw 39 years ago, though it's not the same league, different league altogether. We'll show you some of what they did this weekend when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well.
1: it was the stallions taking on the generals look at that catch come on jersey by osiris mitchell the one-handed grab to tie the game early it looked like it was going to be an arena football league type of a game it was touchdown touchdown it settled in after that because they did start playing some defense after that great osiris mitchell catch how about Demarcus gates he had a couple of sacks now look closely we'll give you a, a better look at this later See that thing? See that? Yeah. Remember that. up uh, uh, okay. Floss pick. Yeah, you'll see, right. you'll see it later. It came down to, I hoped, overtime because they got the two-point shootout they're going to use. Instead, Jamar Smith scrambles nice for the game-winning there. touchdown. The Stallions win. Stallions win in Birmingham where they're going to play every regular season game, which is smart because why drag these teams all across the country and raise – ridiculous travel costs make them all play in the same stadium which is what they're doing this year that's the good news because uh and it's good news to be the birmingham team in birmingham they were out in full force to cheer on the stallions as they beat the generals 28 to 24 to kick it off the usfl back after a long absence how do you do fellow kids there he is jeff fisher my man he's back he's back would he go seven and nine no they only played 10 games uh oh! Fall down, go boom! Whoa! And what the uh, hell was that?
2: It tripped over it was the Reggie turf monster Northrup,
1: and dropped the ball. The ninety-five yard scoop and score. I don't know whether that was Shea Patterson or Paxton Lynch. Patterson got injured. Uh, that was yeah, that, that was Patterson. That was now this, Patterson is, this was the ending. End Patterson.
2: They put Paxton Lynch right after That's this. It. They said, See you and later. Lynch
1: was a, Lynch was a disaster. Lynch was a disaster. Yes, there was uh, holding the ball which, for these quarterbacks was
2: a disaster this weekend. The Gamblers, the I, Houston Gamblers. I like their unis, the Gamblers, though they might win the uni award for. Uh, they the take U.S. down oh. the Michigan Panthers.
1: We got drones. We got helmet cams. We got no fans in the stands, but that's a different issue altogether. Here's the second game, also from Birmingham on Easter Sunday: the Philadelphia Stars and the New Orleans Breakers. Vontae Diggs breaking on the pass. What did they there? The pick six. Breakers. I like. It. I like their unis over too. Over the stars. A little ketchup and mustard going on for the Philadelphia. Star. What? I don't remember that Keller scheme. I don't remember no, it, it either. Nobody gold. should
2: remember that scheme. It's horrible. Somebody needs to change a, it.
1: Look, helmet cam, baby. First person perspective. Hi, wait, where are? Where'd everybody go? Where is everybody? They had a weather delay, and I think that contributed uh, to the fact it. that no yeah. one was there yesterday. Nice move. A little touchdown run by TJ Logan. That was T.J. Logan? Yeah, that was T.J. Yes. Logan.
2: This is T.J. Logan oh, again. And now
1: T.J. Logan again. He scores eight points. You can go for three also from yeah, the 10 right. if you want. That's eight points for T.J. Logan. The Breakers beat the Stars 23-17. to It was just a doubleheader yesterday. Weather returned. The nightcap between the Pittsburgh Maulers and the Tampa Bay Bandits was moved to Monday. You got Monday night football right out of the gates for the USFL. Maulers-Bandits tonight on FS1 after the three games that were played this weekend so look i i remember very vividly 39 years ago when the original usfl debuted and this is a different usfl yes it the is. lawyers haven't told me to say this but here's the reality here's the reality like, look, we're, we're never gonna i mean we, we're gonna be real with you the old usfl the people who own those rights have sued the new usfl and they tried to get a judge to prevent the new USFL, from using any of the names and logos. But one of the problems is they kind of sat on it for months and they drop it out of the blue. And the judge said, no, we're going to let this go forward. But there was enough in the ruling from the judge to create a pretty strong impression that at the end of the day, the original USFL is going to win this. So they're either going to have to carve off some cash wow. for the people who hold those rights, or they're going to have to change the name of the league or change the name of the teams. Regardless, it, 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 it sure feels like that the old USFL is going to have a strong case at some point and who knows how that plays out, but it is the USFL. It's kind of back 39 years ago, March of, of 1983. Yeah. I was a senior in high school. Right. I was all fired up for the USFL. It was March. I settled in onto the couch to watch the first game on ABC on a Sunday afternoon. And as it's, I just, it's, it's hard for me to do spring football. It's always been hard for me to do spring football. I can do. I love football during football season. It's a struggle. You get. You got. You got to make yourself do it. And I don't know if the gambling angle is what's going to draw people to this, but it, I, it's it's going to take some time. And I think that's the goal. You want to let it marinate. You want to let it simmer. You want to build it slowly. And you hope that there are some moments that that uh, will, will resonate and get people to keep watching it. They, they they estimated about three million. They project three million people watched it on Saturday night on Fox. And NBC and Peacock, we'll see what happens this week, and then the week after that. If the if the numbers hold fairly steady, good news. If they crash through the floor, not good news. But uh, it's I I just think it's 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 been proven time and again. It's a challenge to get people to take to spring football.
2: It it is. It's hard. It hard. It's hard, and you know, it's hard one. First off, there's colleges dominate spring football to a degree. So there's that aspect. And yeah, the colleges have been there for 100 years and 100, you know, more than that in a lot of places. And there's a tradition built to where, yeah, fans, alumni will go to the spring game and spring practices and show up and be a part of that because there's there's history there. But that's, even then, there's only a handful of
1: programs that really get them to turn out for the spring game. Yeah, not I've gone huge, to the West Virginia right. spring game before, and I mean right. it's it's like, well, what are we doing here? Yeah. But but you know, like Ohio State, I assume they 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 pack it
2: in pretty well. Yeah, but, all the SEC even then, teams, the big you know, the big programs at least for that month, right. for that part. Spring
1: practice is one thing. I'm talking about competitive spring football. Yeah, I know, it, I know. It, it's it's hard to get people interested in football I when it's not football season. I admire the effort. I admire the fact that they, they keep trying, and the XFL's coming back next year is gonna be two spring leagues um it's 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 just it's a long-term play and i think ultimately it's driven by the simple reality that as legalized gambling continues to spread people need things to bet on and so you got this infrastructure in place in all these states where you can pick up your phone and you can bet and
2: um yeah i know let me just, hey, do the first, let me to just be on. the first to tell you, if you're betting on the USFL, you have a problem. Let me just tell you, <laughs> my name's Chris Sims, call NBC Sports, and let's have a talk, because you have no idea what the hell's going to go on in a USFL football game, and you're just but, throwing money. Chris, Throw your money Chris, to me, and but, I'll give you my address.
1: But Chris, think hmm. of it this way. People walk into a casino all the time. They know that they know I, that I, just, yes. it's just a raw chance. Yeah. you bet on red, yeah. you bet on black when they spin the roulette wheel. Right, you don't know what's going to happen. You put the money down, and you can run the odds on a craps table. At the end of the day, it's all chance. So you know it's it's chance. But but the point is, it's a way for people to legally gamble, and and I think that's the only chance, no pun intended, that spring football has of making it is of having a sufficiently robust option of, of bets available to get people engaged that way and to get people to tune in. Because if you got skin in the game, you're going to want to see how the game turns out. Sure. So people start betting on it, people start watching it. More people start watching it, more people start, start betting on it. And it builds momentum that way. That's the one fundamental difference. And maybe the AAF was ahead of its time because it had that app where it was tracking all the players on the field, and I think they were moving toward real-time in-game betting that way. They they had a poor business model, which was spend money that we don't have. That never works. I'm no expert in business, but spending more money than you have, probably not the best way to be successful in, in any line of work. Yeah, this so meant. they fell apart. They had, the pandemic is what derailed the XFL – a couple of years ago and and now i look the fact that both the usfl and the xfl are trying to stake out the same turf tells you that people see there's an opportunity there i don't think this is just delusion this isn't jack and the beanstalk type stuff there's an opportunity there but it's not something that's going to develop quickly and you know it's going to be b-level talent people just have to get used to that it's going to be, be a, the best 90 times 32 guys are spoken for by the nfl right now so this is the best of the rest, and there is still plenty of other guys who can play football that aren't good enough to hold one of the ninety offseason roster spots on an NFL team.
2: Yeah, there is, there is, but is it good enough to make you tune in with all the other things that we've talked about? That's going to be the million-dollar question, or just to see if they can last, you know, the test of time. There, definitely, uh, you know, we we've, we've discussed this. You tune in the games because we like. You know, the history of the team. We belong to that uniform and that emblem. All right, so that's not going to happen. All right, what's the next thing you tune in for? You know, you, you tune in to see greatness. Oh, let me see this great player. Oh, let me see what he does. That, that's another thing. We're, we're not going to see that here. You know, that's what's different about the old USFL. The old USFL, Jim Kelly and Reggie White were out there. They were playing. There was something actually they'll be like, holy crap, this guy right here, I don't give a damn what league he's in. His guy is awesome. And that's not the case. So, yes, there's going to have to be something that sets the league on fire to a degree or gets people to finally start tuning in, and hopefully they can hang in there and, and make it work. And, you know, there are other little tweaks they're going to have to make, and, and, and I understand
1: the financial strategy behind playing all the regular season games in one place. It's smart. The travel costs can be crippling. You don't have that at all. You just hunker down in Birmingham. All eight teams are there. They play in the same place. That's fine. But, but, I can't emphasize this enough. You cannot have constant TV images of no one at the game because nothing is going to get people to turn the channel faster than seeing a shot of no one there because if no one who lives in the town where these games are being played yes. bothers to show up right. why am i watching exactly
2: this exactly right that's And I, that I, listen I
1: our top our top search term yesterday for people who found their way to PFT through search engines was Panthers, gamblers, where are the fans? That was the top search term. Right. And that is jarring to see football played, non-pandemic, in a stadium with no one there. There's a little cluster in the middle, but that's it. It can't be high school JV crowd or... Or
2: or people watch it. It's not like exciting it. you at all. No, there's nothing to be excited better, for. It. You know yeah. what?
1: You're be- you're you know you're better off doing like old school studio wrestling. They used to call it pro wrestling studio wrestling. You know why? Because they did it in a TV studio. Yeah, I remember that. It had that. like 20 people there, and the camera angles made it look like it wasn't so poorly attended. Yeah, you need to do it. You maybe need, you need to do it in a facility without stands or with not many stands, especially constructed hundred yard field where you can present it in a way kind of like that fan-controlled football where you don't notice no one's there.
2: Yeah, I you know, hear you but there. They, they, I they, think that's they, real. You
1: can, you're not going to survive if you have constant shots of empty bleachers. Yeah, I was talking to some of no, the other depressing. writers yesterday. Nobody people that were with family, they put the game on, people were like, what the hell's going on yeah, here? Where is right. everybody? It's the yeah. first thing you notice. Definitely. So they got, they got to do something about that. Yeah. Our, free, our free advice, not that anyone's asking for our advice. Our other piece of advice, too. I would, I would suggest that the USFL adopt a rule that prevents dental implements from being used during the game. We, we talked about this earlier, but it really bears repeating. The uh, And I want to get the guy's name right. Demarcus Gates. He had a floss pick, a placard, in his mouth during the game. Now, apparently the one that he had is rounded on the back end. I have these things. The back end of it is sharp. I would not want to run around during a football game with the placker that I have in my mouth because the back end is sharp for, like, you know, uh, placking. you know, removing plaque not with the, this, the thread but with the little sharp plastic end. So, r- regardless, I don't understand what the statement is. I haven't – I'm not nearly young enough to get the reference, but I saw that and I was like,
2: "What in the hell is going on here?" I, I I don't know either. I don't you know is he flossing out there? Like you know, like he's you know showing off? Is that what he meant? I don't know. That or, just
1: that just something or, that that just feels like something that when you're hitting full speed playing football, that could end up in places.
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> that I are mean, not good lodged in your throat is uh, specifically yeah. where you're worried about. Yeah, it. yeah I know, I've never up seen that nose. one. That's a new one there for me. I've never yeah. seen that before.
1: Yeah. But but I assume he's not. If if, maybe they'll have press conferences this week and they can ask him, do you have the sharp end or is it the round end? I assume he's got the round ended placard, But that and and look, that was a memorable moment. But for me, if that's the one thing that stands out from the weekend, we got some work to do. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're giving. But hey, hey, look, we're giving it a chance. Everybody's giving it a chance. Three million projected by the USFL. Tuned in to watch. So they sampled it. We'll see what happens. This weekend, we'll see what happens tonight. Maulers, Bandits, 7 p.m. Eastern, FS1, USFL. Week one concludes with Monday Night Football. All right, uh, that's probably all we can say about that. Let's take a break. Plenty of guys are looking for new contracts right now. We're going to talk about Kyler Murray and some receivers who may not be doing much on the field until they get what they want in their bank account. More Live right after this.